Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 230 for the week of December 10th, 2018. I am Irresistible Tomato Juice, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Greenwich Village idiot, Sarah D. Bunting. Is this worse than jazz? <laughs> Switchboard superstar, Tara Ariano. I will connect you. And relatable mobster, Nick Reinwell-Jones. I put my pants on one leg at a time and then I kick people to death. Welcome to Extra Hot Great. Welcoming back, especially our returning guest and beloved favorite, Nick Reinwald Jones. Hello, Nick. Nick. Hello. Oh, so wonderful to be back. The first time since we made you watch Patrick Melrose. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you guys are lucky. (laughs) Worse than that. So we are talking to us technically. (laughs) (laughs) We just we needed to give him some space after that. So uh, we're here to talk about season two of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. At the time this episode drops, uh, the season will have been out for a week. So just be fairly warned. We're not going to do spoilers ahoy, but we may talk about the entire 10 episode season. So if you don't want to be spoiled, skip it. Now, Nick, we thought of you for this episode because we know you are an Amy Sherman Palladino and probably to a lesser extent, Daniel Palladino super fan. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> at the time that we asked you, you said you hadn't caught up on season one yet. So now that you've presumably you know, crammed a lot of the show. Did did you regret that we made you do this or was it a pleasant experience? No, not at all. Uh, I think it's it's one of those shows that uh, I didn't like I, I really enjoyed, but I didn't feel the need to kind of like plow through, mm-hmm. especially knowing that there were only eight episodes of it in the first season. And so, yeah, Alexis and I had watched like maybe the first half much earlier in the year and then realized like, oh, yeah, like, you know, a lot of other, you know, hello, peak TV, like eight, eight million other things like popped up in front of us. And then we sort of put that in the back burner for a while. But yeah, sure. finishing the season was was great. And I, I loved how it ended. I love I, th- I think it really like found its footing along the way. There were like a couple of like, you know, to, to go back, I will, I will certainly get into my, you know, <laughs> various Daniel Palladino issues but i actually even even the even his episodes i think got better by the end of it and um and then we so we watched the the first two of the second season and i think uh it's really uh it, it's it, it feels really solid i mean i, I some, someone i follow on twitter was like i i I like the show because it's just like costumes and no plot <laughs> like there's yeah like there's not i mean there i think there is plot like there's not a ton there's there's even probably less than there was on gilmore girls but it also it's just it just feels so much like a show that knows what it is. And I think that's great. I guess. I mean, watching we watched five and then the other five over two days. And so I would say it just felt especially this season being two episodes longer. It felt so much more padded, like within this, the episodes and and over the course of the season, like so much could be compressed if there wasn't like the loopy ticky dialogue of like blah 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 like the the his girl friday like obviously this is mm. a sherman palladino thing like you either like it or you don't and i get it and i can handle it like i watched all of gilmore girls but i just felt like this was this was so much more self-conscious and so much more uh draggy for me dave you were also present what, what were your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> True, I was also present. Also <laughs> present. I will say, as a whole, I think season two is stronger than season one, and I think a lot of it has to do with the demazelling of a lot of the focus. 
I think season one was rightly about her ascendancy in the sort of local, or, or at least her her trials and tribulations in the local stand-up scene and her life around that. And I feel like season two, they gave themselves permission to do a lot more work with her father, her manager, and a lot of people around it. And I think it's a stronger show for it. And as I was watching season two, <clears throat> Mazel, the character, the marvelous Mrs. Mazel, is very much a caricature. Mazel. I'm not going to say Mazel. Sorry. I, it, it, my brain just, <laughs> okay. just won't go there. She's a mega caricature in a show with a lot of caricatures. Like the way she talks, she's always like this. It's sort of like she seems like a cartoon cutout, even within this universe. And I find like the less of her in an episode, the more I enjoy an episode. I don't find her like a deal breaker. I just find that when the show's a little more grounded than it is when she's not around, I am enjoying it more. With Susie and the mob stuff, with the father and the mother and their troubles, I feel like if they actually extracted the family Mazelle from the show, it might be a better show. The marvelous Mrs. Blank and her blanks. Marvelous Mrs. Blank and her blanks. <laughs> but her, her husband, and her husband's family are sort of like what drags the show down for me. Well, Sarah, you at least, uh, if you watched one, and I assume that's all you watched, you got to see Eric Palladino. So that was exciting. <laughs> he's, I know. He's new. I, he, yeah, he was like um, so brown that I wasn't sure who it was at first. Yeah. Needed to chill with the self-tanner. Um, yes, I watched the first episode of season two and I'm all set. I didn't mm -hmm. hate it, but based on the way particular people in my life liked the first season i was almost positive that it was not for me mm -hmm. and i think it is beautiful to look at i tony shalhoub is basically being monk but in the <laughs> 50s which that's fine i like monk i like the 50s whatever but i'm with dave like the the mazel parts of it are kind of like uh, based on watching one episode, it's like, why are you working it out with shitty, cheaty, Joel? seriously? Like, and the thing is, like, of course, this is a period drama, so concerns about keeping a marriage together are perhaps um, existing along a different axis than they would be to us now. But sure. nothing else about the series feels all that invested in being true to the time. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some just in the dialogue. Yeah, the di there is a lot of things in the dialogue that I'm thinking like, how close attention are you paying to that? Yeah, we didn't we didn't say those things then. Yeah, yeah. use of nerd, use of font. Like there's a lot of stuff in there that's like, ooh, not 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 that decade. Yeah. yeah no. Um, and like Luke Kirby, bless your heart, but Lenny Bruce, you ain't. <laughs> that that was just Oh, like, I like I him. To, pause it and like laugh at that i didn't think he was bad actually it was just like visually arresting and you know in the sense of like getting arrested like it was it was startling um but yeah like this is just this is sherman paladino product for sure and my response to that tends to be that there's a fine line between precocious and obnoxious and she's both feet on the wrong side of it most of the time for me. Yeah. But there are parts of the show that are extremely appealing 
And I get it. I would have watched a spinoff with the manager and the mobsters just like (laughs) stalling for like a period of like two weeks where they just drive around. (laughs) They have some meals. Yeah, they eventually get to the other side of the country. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, well, here's the Pacific. Boom. That's (laughs) that's the end of it. And then it becomes like Bosch, the prequel, and goes (laughs) off into that. Um, But yeah, like there were some there were some good lines. Again, beautiful. I was like sourcing various brooches and whatnot but it just like from the very opening sequence it just felt kind of it just felt self-conscious and a little bit her accent can be a little surfacey to me and i'm not totally clear on where the emmy came from yeah so but yeah i mean it was not it was not like actively annoying in the way that I thought it might be or had the potential to be, but it was also not, um, that I was like, well, I guess I could watch another one. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, like I know what this is now and I'm all set. I watched the whole thing. I'm glad, you know, it, it was entertaining. I, I did enjoy some parts, even with the lead character, like her dealing with other comics locally and the woman in the, in the men's room. Part of it was interesting, even though it was a little Mary Suey. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I had mm-hmm. that exactly in my notes. Yeah. The other problem with the show, and I'm not the only critic to note this. I think I saw Sonia Soraya say it on Twitter, was that if if the premise of the show is like, she's this amazing superstar, up and coming, great, amazing, crowd winning comic um, her stand up has to be better because it's not that good. Like even even allowing for tastes of the time. Like her, her act is just not that great. And there's like, there's so much of it that it feels like this is one of the details that they didn't think to fill in when they were busy choreographing like a eight person fucking dance number for the telethon for no good reason, except Daniel Palladino wrote it. Cause of course he did. Like th- there's, there just <laughs> seems to be, as Dave said, a lack of uh, just a lack of understanding of like what aspects of the show are compelling and interesting and where to put your focus because like all of a sudden you'll be watching a storyline about you know like Joel's parents trying to dig up where they've hidden cash all over the city and it's like why is this happening and why is it taking up so much time like like if just focus i feel like this is what bothers me the most about the show is that it's it has a lack of focus or it focuses on the wrong stuff Nick, your thoughts. I, I mean, I, as a as a Paladino stan, I will admit that like that I think that tends to be a feature of their shows is that they do lose focus over time. Mm-hmm. And it definitely like, it, you know, I think with Gilmore Girls, it took a while for it to happen, but it definitely happened with Bunheads. It was like already in by, like the second season. It was like, oh, yeah. uh, they stopped really understanding what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I haven't you know, I haven't gotten deep enough into the second season, but I will say that even the as charming as like the plot line about uh her mother going off to paris which by the way was extremely like emily gilmore uh-huh. lifted i think um yeah. that even felt like why are we suddenly focusing on this you know and 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 they even almost kind of like acknowledged it when she's there when when um when Midge is there in Paris being like, I need to get back and do my stand up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> like that's yeah. what the show is about. Right. But uh, I mean, I think that what, what distinguishes this show is that like all of the casting is so great and the like, it's, it's so much more satisfying just to see the, 
you know, the, the, the bare production values and everything and all of the attention to detail that it's, I think there's a, it's a better shell game with what they're, you know, sort of <laughs> missing narratively than uh, like Gilmore Girls and Bunheads, which were made on shoestring budgets, you know. Yeah, uh, I just I just if nothing else, I enjoy seeing what Amy Sherman Valadino can do with a ridiculous budget. I think she like she knew what she wanted. And uh, it's like everything that they were sort of trying to like stretch what they had with the other mm-hmm. shows. Um, you know, we can certainly compare it to the other uh, Amazon show that we've all been watching religiously, the Romanoffs, uh, where <laughs> Matt Weiner got finally his big budget. And wow. Uh. Every single episode. Just kidding. Nobody watches that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think only the the only people who are watching that are are critics, and it's because they're they've been assigned it. Like I've the more I yeah. read about how blah it is, the less I wanted to check it out. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It it definitely looks it looks amazing. It looks great. The fact that they're actually shooting in New York is remarkable because. You know, you can always tell when they don't, but they, but at the same time, like, I also just wish, I wish there had, I wish I felt like there was some kind of oversight because it just feels like there's a lot of tangents where self-indulgent ideas are pursued for too long. And there's no one like up the chain that's like, Hey, could we, could we not perhaps? Well, I think a lot of it is like, it seemed like they had a good idea there, but they did sort of let it sit on the vine too long like the whole excursion to paris where the mother decides to rediscover herself okay we've seen that a billion times but let's see them do something with it but then they really kind of didn't as their relationship in the season goes on that whole notion that he has to win her back by being more attentive to her self-identity it comes and goes like a checkerboard mm-hmm. pattern, and it's really yeah. weird throughout the season. Well, and also, like, it's treated in the moment as a serious thing, but then later, like, they're at a dance or something at the cat in the Catskills, and he she asks him to dance, and he's pissed off about something else, so he won't. And then she's like, you can dance with me now, or you can dance with me in Paris. And it's like, oh, okay, this is just a cute threat we're dropping? Like, yikes. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. So, like, it's sort of, it's in yeah. and out. It runs hot and cold. Like, mm-hmm. I figured that would have been more of a throughput through the season yeah. it kind of wasn't which is a shame because i like the mother character a lot because it's sort of an interesting generational take on it between her mm-hmm. and her daughter but they don't really do a lot of that yeah and then you're in a you know drag club and it's just that was painful but i think that yeah. was what that was what i was like oh yeah like and the, the simultaneous know. translation and like the you know the the landlady chasing them through the courtyard and oh, just haranguing stop. them it's like this is this is such a turnoff. Like this is like this this is everything that's bad about the show in microcosm where it's just like stop talking. Yeah. As I tweeted, it would be the season would be half as long as if 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 people behaved in a normal way, which is to tell each other shut up. Shut the fuck up. Like, you know, either you're into people talking way 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 too much even by Sherman Palladino standards or you're not. And yet you know, as we said, I watched the whole season. I wasn't sorry that I did, but it does feel like it's it was right on the line of like, uh, if this was coming out every week, I would have dropped it. Like if it wasn't available for me to watch all at once and just get through it, like I definitely <laughs> wouldn't have gotten to the end. And like the haunting of Hill House was the same kind of thing where it's like it's like right on the line of good enough to see through, like not so hateful that I wanted to bail on it, but. It's hard to recommend this show. It's like, it's so, it's so mannered and it's so much. It's so much. It's y- just yammering. I don't, I don't mind that. I think, I think if you're 
coming into the show, you got to know that's part of the deal. You got to have that rapid fire Gilmore Girls multi-layered dialogue all happening at once. I said this when the first season came out. I think it still stands. This is a show you save for your mom when you visit her at Christmas and you have to find yeah. something you can both watch and talk and catch up on your personal lives at the same time. And I think this Absolutely. is the perfect show for that. And I'm sick to it. Well, my mom's already watched the entire thing, so no luck on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It is time for Around the Dial. We're all bringing something we've been watching on TV recently. Tari Ariano, you're first. Well, I watched a bunch of stuff this week. Uh, We watched all of Enemies on Showtime. This is the Presidents versus the FBI documentary series. Turns out it's all fine. Don't worry about it, guys. The FBI is great, turns out. Uh, They never do anything wrong. They are staffed up by people who are very conscientious. All the presidents we've ever had, have and ever will have, uh, they know their limits and they never try to go beyond it. Absolutely. Just kind of wonder why they bothered making this thing anyways. <laughs> Just a couple of exceptions. Few bad eggs. Everyone, all the other presidents. Great. Um, you know, it's it's fine. We watched all four episodes back to back to back to back. Uh, it's as far as it goes. It's it's well made, but it definitely has a lot of very large blind spots. Uh, we also watched the first episode of Counterpart on stars, which is still good. Mm-hmm. Um. I would have liked a longer previously segment because yeah. it's been a long, long time since we watched season one and uh, there's a lot I forgot. I am not a crackpot, but when you have a show that deals with sort of mirrored universes and people that have doubles and spy shows that involve double and triple agents and stuff, you should have previously not only long, but are color coded. Yeah. You know, where the, everybody has an outline of what team they're on. Oh, there's the blue J.K. Simmons. Here he goes. He's yes, going to but- Red World and he's doing that. <laughs> Think about it. I may actually need to rewatch that premiere because I probably fell asleep in it a little bit. But I'm not here to talk about that. Today, I'm here to talk about Goatface. This is um, a special on Comedy Central. You can still get it on the app. Um, it is a sketch and some stand-up, but mostly sketch uh, program, which stars... Uh, the aforementioned Goatface. This is the name of their sketch group, and it features Hassan Minhaj from Patriot Act and formerly of The Daily Show, Azif Ali from Wrecked, uh, Fahim Anwar, formerly of uh, Superior Donuts, among other things, and Aristotle Atheris, who is new to me but very funny. And they generically call themselves all browned. There's a lot of humor about uh, being Muslim in America, what it's like to grow up with uh, with a uh, a dad in this culture um what it's like to the first sketch in the episode is uh it's the four of them watching a news report about a terrorist attack in america then they find out that the uh suspect is white and throw a huge party <laughs> it's a lot of stuff like that um i thought it was really funny and dave what did you think I thought it was really good. There are things that definitely speak to their cultural background but there's also stuff like their shoe collector sketch which was really funny I won't ruin it, but it's just about, you know, people that collect sneakers and stuff. And this is all about various Air Jordans that they've, the rare Air Jordan shoes yeah. that they've collected over time. <laughs> really good. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a headline somewhere and I I'm, I apologize. I don't have a, a reference for it, but they, uh, the headline was go face a show for Brown Americans and the rest of us too, which is yeah. pretty good. I mean, it's, yeah. it, I think that sums it up pretty well. They do a great Balance between pulling stuff from their culture, speaking to the culture, but also making it relatable to people outside 
the culture and keeping it funny, which like that's really everything you could ask for. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the good thing about about a show like this is that it expands like, you know, Comedy Central gets knocked a lot for having a mostly white perspective. So uh, I think it's good to expand this out and 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 to let people, you know, do comedy that draws from their personal and specific experience. And as always, the more specific you are, the more funny it is. Um, and I think we get a lot of this on uh, on comedy specials, but not so much in sketch. And so, you know, there's no reason to think this is not going to only be a one off. But I would love it if they picked it up as a show because um, the specificity of the racial stuff that they get into. I haven't seen that on Comedy Central since Key and Peele, um, which is right. a very high bar. But I would yep. love to see more of this. So I hope that they get to make more. And to plug, I once again got to do TV Club for Slate.com. I believe they are editing it this week, so look out for it next week. If it, uh, I will plug it again then when there is actually a link, but uh, get hyped, I guess. Nick. Okay, I want to talk about uh, a couple of Netflix series uh, that you may have missed because Netflix premieres one billion shows every single minute. Uh, one of them is called Magic for Humans. Uh, it's hosted by Justin Willman, who used to be the host of Cupcake Wars, I think, but uh, that belies the fact that he is a ridiculously talented magician. Uh, also very funny. Uh, and it's sort of... I, I, it was described to me as the non-creepy version of David Blaine. <laughs> like he just, <laughs> he just does these things that are like quietly amazing. And you're like, how is he possibly doing that? But not with this like scary deadpan thing where he's like, yeah, I'm harvesting your soul as I do this. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like he it's um, it's also it's just really funny. Uh, the like the the illusions themselves are incredible, but the way he presents them is great. Like it's, it's kind of like man on the street style where he's just like going out to different places. It's mostly filmed in LA and, uh, he just kind of like ambushes people with, uh, with different tricks and stuff. Uh, the, the funniest thing in the show, probably, I think there is like maybe eight episodes, like eight half hour episodes. You can breeze right through them in a day. Uh, they, <laughs> they set up this whole crowd in a, in a park to basically like trick this one person into thinking that he's invisible <laughs> and be, like they so they they're like they put this guy so like they, they get everyone else ready they have an actual he has an actual illusion where he can make someone invisible but he so he like he puts the person that's like actually in on it in one chair and then the person that's like the mark in another chair he does the trick where like the person the other person becomes invisible the other person legitimately vanishes everyone's like wow amazing and he's like okay now we're going to do it to this guy at the mark they do it he's still there but everyone's like whoa and like he walks around they're like like and the, and the guy starts like getting more and more freaked out because like everyone's pretending they can't see him and it's like they're taking pictures like they're being, like they like they like hand him a can of coke and they're and everyone's like oh my god the can of coke is floating like it's um but then, like, for, for you know, th that's kind of the outlier. Like, most of the show is just things that are, like, involving, like, incredible, like, how does he do it things. And also, uh, he he has been doing a, uh, a a live magic show in L.A. that um, Alexis and I went to see, and it was just as amazing. Uh, so if you have a chance to see him on Netflix or in person, highly recommend it. Magic for Humans. Uh, also, quick mention to The Comedy Lineup, which is Netflix's series of just 15-minute stand-up sets. So if you have a super short attention span, it is perfect. Uh, there's one by Ashleen B., the Irish actress comedian that is wall-to-wall -wall hilarious. I also got a chance to see her work that out 
uh, live like several months before it premiered. Uh, but it's just uh, they've they've done a really good job of um, getting a lot of for for both this show and their other like sort of stand up series shows like a lot of like diverse comics who you you know wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. see in other things, uh, and that's great for late night viewing. For my plug, uh, I have a, uh, a I did an immersive theater show this uh, over the past year. I did three runs of it that took place in the 70s. Alexis and I bought an actual house in LA to Airbnb, but we ended up doing the show there. Now it is just an Airbnb, but because the show took place in the 70s, it is a 70s Airbnb. So if you're visiting Los Angeles, um, please check it out. Bungalow77.com. And uh, yeah, we would would love to have you there and uh, let you experience some of the magic. So there you have it. We will link it in the show notes. Sarah D. Bunting. Um, welcome to the um, segment I call in my own head, the amount of cooking shows that I watch is inversely proportional to the amount of cooking that I do. <laughs> Here's the roundup. Um, first of all, I'm going to throw back to my around the dial entry from a couple weeks back. Thank you to all the Twitter folk who backed my audience truther play about final table. I'm telling you, <laughs> ain't nobody else in that room with the chefs. It's like a sheet with some faces painted on it. And uh, I'm glad that it wasn't just me. Um, take that, Dan Brady. Second of all, Top Chef is back. New haircut on Padma, which I like. Um, same old stank attitude, which I don't. I get that a dozen and a half seasons of hosting the show might make her an expert of sorts on hosting, but she's always such a bitch about it. Um, also, the show is back in the South as their theme. Um, they're HQing in Kentucky for most of the season. And I really hope they learned their lesson from the last Southern state-based season, which was in South Carolina, in terms of how to handle certain troublesome aspects of historic cuisine, by which I mean, don't be all reverent about the smokehouse on the estate of an antebellum mansion when these dedicated buildings were, quote, staffed, unquote, by slaves. Oh, <laughs> yeah like Yikes. just say what it, like we all know slavery existed please just acknowledge that and don't act like you know <laughs> this was the building dedicated to bread and human <laughs> trafficking like just you know or i don't know maybe put it in new jersey instead anyway bravo knows what it's doing at the builds of these shows and i am looking forward to the rest of the season and finally, if you have British Bake Off withdrawal, a couple of weeks ago, Netflix dropped the two holiday specials from last year. I think they're both from last year. Uh, Noel has his old hairstyle in both of them. They did not pick the absolute best previous bakers to reunite in the tent. However, they did pick Selassie, who is like a solar flare of baking charisma. Aww. And since I'm here, listeners who are both Bake Off fans and Mets fans, first of all, get yourselves correct. And second of all, <laughs> is Selassie an even hotter Jerry's Familia? Please, uh, this is my latest Twitter crackpot project for <laughs> listeners of Extra Hot Great, so hit me at Tomato Nation on Twitter. We should also just note before you move on, the show that you're not mentioning is the Nailed It holiday season, and that's because that's are going to be our lead topic for next week. So get that excited. Absolutely correct. Speaking of getting excited and the holidays, uh, you can give yourself the gift of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs for free. Uh, coming up this month, we've got some Brandy Carlisle. Uh, we've got some buzzkill Christmas tunes from the likes of Emmett Otter and Karen Carpenter. Not, not on the same track. <laughs> 
spoiler. And uh, on our spinoff, Money Can't Buy You podcast, we've got some Danielle Staubiana happening in a week or so. Uh, so prostitution, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Let's Mark and Sarah talk about songs wherever podcasts may be found. Oh. <laughs> all right this is our extra credit topic for this week what do we got tara this is i'm calling it recommendation rex from our french friend caroline who writes have you ever been underwhelmed by a series warmly recommended by people you respect which one and she's asked specifically because she's calling you out dave teagle oh. i asked because i tried three seasons of 30 rock after listening to dave it should be called the jack and liz show i mean i get it it's not for everyone but also three seasons i was gonna Damn. say it took you three seasons much. to figure out it wasn't yeah. for you martyr complex anyone <laughs> maybe seasons are maybe the seasons are shorter in france like there's only three episodes a season or something you know, the French sleep a lot. They take a lot of breaks to smoke and stuff. So who knows how they organize their TV. Yes. Also, why is calling it the Jack and Liz show a dig at it? Like, I, I don't understand. But. It's not. I think her point is that she doesn't like the other stuff that's not Jack and Liz. Oh, uh, okay. That's, or the, at least when, that's when my interpretation. When they're not on the screen, everyone should be asking, where's Poochie? Exactly. So I'll go first. Um, this was hard because usually when we get recommended stuff... We stick with it. Recent examples that we've talked about on this podcast are uh, Babylon Berlin, which was strongly recommended by Adam Sternberg. We watched it. We loved it. Patriot recommended by Jeb Lund and Mark Lazanti watched and loved. Um, the only the examples that first leapt to mind are like when people uh, present shows they love to the canon and we're like, what? <laughs> like Monty with the animated Batman series did not take um, House. Another recent one that. Jeb pitched and psych from but that's Karen not exactly herself. a recommendation though no I mean, but it's to like to be fair yeah, they're I making said, a I'm, pitch for something yes but presumably they're recommending that we vote for it mm, yeah. i think it's different well i don't think All people right. are pitching canon shows to the canon that they don't like and think other people will like or think are important I, but whatever. i'm not saying that they're pitching stuff they don't like i'm saying sometimes let's take kim reed for an example she's pitching uh -huh. stuff that she knows she likes and everybody else sure. be damned so Fair i enough. don't necessarily think it's a personal recommendation all the time although it is a lot of the time so let us agree on that part of it fine the fact that i was breezing through it meant this is not the main thrust of my argument it was just one of I the other avenues and i went down because i was having a hard time coming up with something but here it is dave okay. oh shit <laughs> god <laughs> This is like, this is kind of a weird one because it is a show I still watch. But when I started with The Good Place, I watched the first four screeners of season one. I was like, this is this is too cutesy. It's like too high concept for me. I don't like it. Obviously, we all know everyone went fucking bananas for that first season. So we went back and watched it in order to make it a lead topic when it came back for season two. And I have liked it, but I also feel as we're like deep into season three, it's almost over. And apparently, judging by other critics' top 10 lists, I'm like a way outlier on this. But like, it's starting to lose me because I just I'm, I get frustrated by the way that anything can happen and rules are being created as shit goes along. And it's starting to feel like Axe Cop for me. Is Axe Cop also a good show? Sure. But I feel like The Good Place is like not that's not what it's aiming for. And it's just I, I, I find the number of loopholes it gives itself. Um the convenience that that gives the writers 
uh, is less interesting to me as time goes on. So that's one where I, I might have to step away again, even after the entire rest of the world thinks it's the greatest. Nick. Uh, well, I, I actually, I, I do love the good place, but I have even gotten a little frustrated with it this season. I agree. Like I, I, I like the fact that it sort of reboots itself every few episodes, but then it's like, it needs to maintain that momentum. And as soon as it's like, sell it starts to settle into something. I'm like, no, don't settle into anything. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm going to follow you. So yeah, I, I, uh, I take your point on that. Uh, the show I'm going to pick is uh, chilling adventures of Sabrina, which mm. uh, I don't think any of you, uh, pitched but <laughs> because it doesn't seem like something any of you would pitch but a lot of people that i follow on twitter were really really into it uh and it seemed like it was a good like spiritual uh successor to buffy which you know is of course one of my favorites of all time uh i love karen and shipka and it you know even though i never watched riverdale uh i it, it seemed like a lot of people thought it was you know like interestingly weird and uh i was so i was hoping for like something that was you know some some kind of like modern day sort of self-aware but like genuinely creepy buffy i watched the first episode mm, no yeah uh, <laughs> if that show was sold to me as buffy 2018 not that i really enjoyed it that much I'd, yeah i would be disappointed <laughs> yeah well it's more. just it's it's not funny like buffy no. like the thing that the thing that kept buffy alive is it was funny and it knew exactly when to kind of like take the piss out of itself. And this show, it's so like it's so hooked on itself mm -hmm. that it's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 mine. Sarah, I have a couple like this, um, but this one just came up again recently, and these are not warm recommendations so much as like, well, you got to try it again. And I, I've tried a few times, and I'm just not going to like Deadwood. People are very hostile. <laughs> um, but you really should try it again. It's good. I, I could have said that one too, actually. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm in your camp on that one. Oh, really? I, yeah. Like, this is a lonely camp, though. It's like <laughs> two of us. And like at the fence line is John Ramos, who's like, well, I told you you weren't going to like it, but I appreciate you trying again. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's like that there's a couple of actors in it that I tend to be repelled by no matter what they're doing for no rational reason like molly parker i can't i i don't know what it is about freckly bitch face her and julianne <laughs> more need to miss me permanently whoa shots fired well, oh man i mean yeah. so, like again they're sanity wolf <laughs> they're not bad at their jobs i just am not into it I don't know if it's the like very stylized dialogue. I don't know if it's that everyone is telling me that there's something wrong with me for not liking it. I don't know if it's that New Yorker profile of David Milch that just was the most off-putting. Oh, that was amazing. Description of a showrunner that has ever existed, including of like rapey ones. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, not really, but I just, I, I, I want, I want to like it. I do, but I, I don't. And I am going to try it one more time eventually. <laughs> Why? Yeah, I don't think you have to. We, well, we can, we can hold hands and jump into the gorge together. Okay. <laughs> you're allowed so, not, you're allowed not to like it. Yeah. Everything's not for everyone. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're wrong. Game but... of Thrones has taught us anything. <laughs> this it's is bad. what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's this guy. He recommended 
Gavin and Stacy said it was the best show he's ever seen. It's really funny. It is super endearing. And it's, it, 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 it's the four quadrant show to end all four quadrant shows and everybody should watch it. And it's great. And like got through like 10 minutes of the first episode. It's like, you don't know me. You just don't know me. We're friends. I think you're a cool person, but what the hell? And I went back to him. And said, so he was like genuinely anticipating the moment where I come back to him and say, buddy, you did it. You found my new favorite show in the whole world. And I couldn't say it. And I think it broke his heart a little bit. And he's like, well, did you like, was it this show? And, and did you watch like, you, you thought I watched the wrong show. He was so sure that I would like it. And it just like, it wasn't, I didn't, I don't even remember the show. I just remember that I, it wasn't for me, but I really remember how disheartened my friend was that we didn't like this show. And uh, so now when people tell me about a certain show, I come back to them and I lie to them. It was great. <laughs> Thank you for recommending that show. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! Oh boy, it's time for the canon. Nick Reinwell Jones presenting this week. Please, Nick, take it away. Okay, I am presenting uh, an episode of Community, that show that was universally beloved from the start all the way through, never had any backlash. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone here was super excited to watch it, I know. <laughs> um, I So, a little, a little backstory on this episode in particular. Uh, there was... The, you know, the Black Mirror episode that we all know and love called Nosedive, which was about a society in which everyone is raided by an app and everyone's self-worth and stuff, you know, depends on your ability to project this perfect persona and get people to like you in a certain way and the desperation of people to like, you know, either rise in the ranks or, you know, the fear of getting demoted and stuff like that. That happened two years after this episode. So uh, this episode is about is is sort of the ridiculous comic version of that. But I think it's worth noting that community in its own way did it first. Uh, and that's that's part of what I like about this. Uh, but I will get into that. Um, 
this episode, uh, it's season five, episode eight, sorry. Uh, so it is sort of after Community had its own nosedive <laughs> and then resurged when they brought back Dan Harmon. And I think season five was actually, I, di I didn't watch all of it. That was the, like, the season where Yahoo adopted it. Uh, I think a lot of it was sort of got back to what was good about Community. Not that I felt the need to keep watching it endlessly, but uh, I think this is one of the highlights. So we start on the group, uh, the usual group setup, and Jeff is arranging a dinner for everyone. Of course, Shirley is the one person who can't make it. As someone who tries to be good at scheduling, I feel for Jeff here. It is always really frustrating when one person can't make it and they want to be the reason you reschedule. And you're like, but what about everyone else? And uh, so they're... This, this sort of starts a little bit of a feud between uh, Jeff and Shirley that will sort of inform the rest of the episode, but it is interrupted by the dean introducing a brand new social networking app that the campus is going to beta test, and let's hear that clip. Hello, say Greendale committee. This is David and Bixel. They're app designers. They'd like to beta test their latest social networking app on our campus, which could be good for us. Look what Facebook did for Harvard, right? Hey guys, Bixel and I would like to introduce you to a little app called Meow Meow Beans. Mm. Meow Meow Beans lets you say how much you like, who you like, when you like, all from a standard non-boost mobile phone. Let's see how it works. <laughs> Bixel, what did you think of the way the Dean introduced us? I thought he did great. That's why I'm giving him five Meow Meow Beans. Oh. Well, Bixel, I'm sorry, but I thought his intro was just okay. That's why I'm going to give him two out of five Meow Meow Beans. Meow 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 Beans. With Meow Meow Beans, students can rate teachers. Teachers can rate students. Everyone and anyone can rate each other. Meow Meow Beans. So that is Meow Meow Beans. And, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a little bit where... Uh, Professor Hickey, played by Jonathan Banks, uh, incredible casting. This was at the height of you know his Breaking Bad popularity, which uh, was a was a great get for this show. Uh, he's he sort of you know has starts to make a speech about you know how he fought in World War II and everything, and then just uh, but but of course uh, actually Professor Hickey ends up being very into the app, as does uh, most other people on campus. Uh, he's he starts to. Uh, figure out his like ideal persona for getting rated highly he's putting on a birthday hat he's saying everyone's gonna like me if it's my birthday uh jeff doesn't like the app he prefers when the the system where just cool people got more abed of course loves it because it is all based on numbers and he says he's never felt more alive britta is into the populist aspect of it but then starts to have suspicions of it uh once she hears annie talk about it and let's hear that clip I liked the idea at first, giving a voice to the unheard, but then Annie just told me that the rating system is exponentially weighted. As your ratings go up, your ratings of other people become more important. No. It just means the more others like you, the more likable you can make others. Makes sense to me. You know who else it made sense to? Say Hitler one more time and I'm giving you a two. Jeff, are you not registered? The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to get your number up. Annie! Listen to yourself. You're learning its language. You're letting a video game play you. I'm going to set these people straight. <laughs> Students of Greendale, we don't have to worship a calculator. There is no formula for people. Oh, you're punishing me for being alive. That's the general idea, baby. 
of course, everyone, yeah, everyone starts downrating Britta. And uh, even though the mustard on her lip when she made the speech makes her more relatable, which will come back many times in the episode, Shirley is an expert at this. She's already a five on the first day. She is the queen bee of everything. Uh, Vicky tries to give her a four and she gets completely obliterated. And Jeff finally steps into the fray. He says he's going to expose the system, become a five to expose what a sham it is. Uh, we cut to day two. Jeff has adopted an 80s cool guy persona with backward hat and sunglasses. Uh, and uh, let's hear him give out nicknames. So I'm like, that's two cups. And she's like, what? I'm like, two cups, balls back, tops off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tramp, mulch, Dave, herpy, clutch, dirt mouth, rope, tingles. Catwoman, Steve. All right, yeah. keep it floppy. Haul it, ball it, never call it. Girls are objects. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, so, you know, of course, uh, Jeff is moving up the ranks, being his usual fake self. Uh, Abed is comfortably in the middle of the pack. He's wearing gray, as all the other threes are. He says, uh, looking like you want to move up can get you moved down. And uh, he says that what the threes do is they talk about how they're better than twos. Uh, Shirley and Jeff are still sort of like passive aggressively at war with each other. They have this kind of like nice off where both of them are trying to, you know, keep either keep or move up in the ranks. Finally, we cut to day eight. And of course, ever like this is the classic community things escalated quickly uh, plot line where all of a sudden the campus looks completely different. It's this crazy futuristic post-apocalyptic hellscape type situation. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of specific movie references in this that are over my head, uh, except for Starburns's uh, like, you know, mostly nude holster outfit, which I know is taken from Sean Connery and Zardoz, uh, which I haven't seen, but I know Sean Connery. Uh, there is a sort of circle of fives that is that that all like live in this you know heavenly uh, little section of campus and there's shirley and annie is her loyal assistant of course there's also coogler who is just a guy who's just kind of popped up he's played by mitch herwitz uh it's a fun cameo and uh everyone is everyone is wearing these like white robes and stuff and you know being uh being served hand and foot and everything and they decide to have a talent show where they can sort of entertain the lower people and give them the chance to rise up in the ranks so uh, Jeff decides he's going to step into this. Britta has concerns, and uh, but but Jeff thinks that this is the only way to take the system down, as we will hear in this clip. It's impossible to get any higher without half the fives in your corner. They got this thing locked up. Yeah, but they're nervous. They're hosting a talent show to prove that anyone can be a five. If you enter it, you'll be center stage with all eyes on you, and you can tell everyone this isn't democracy. This is tyranny. I'm sorry, can you put some mustard? I shouldn't have to put mustard on my face for this to make sense. You know we have to take this system down. So Jeff uh, goes into the talent show. Uh, he uh, he ends up just doing this, uh, this really dorky stand-up routine slash terrible one-man show that is, uh, you know, enjoyable in its terribleness. Uh, and at first... Uh, you know, everyone is looking to Shirley for what she's going to say. But before she can rate him, Coogler stands up and says, hey, I'm cool with it. And everyone gives him a five and 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 Jeff is on his way up. Uh, Britta is furious that uh, this has happened. She is stuck being a two and she's worried that Jeff is uh, getting too into this. Uh, and she tries to incite a rebellion 
tear things down. She is not successful at first, but then what happens is Jeff and Shirley get into another of their fights where they finally are turning off everyone around them and all the other elites downvote them to ones. They are banished from campus. Uh, this is when Cougar thinks he's going to take over, but uh, he is rudely interrupted as we'll hear in this clip. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your tray tables in their party positions. <laughs> so say it's Captain Coogler. Actually, keep the tray tables where they are, Coogler. The rule of the fives is over. Long live the revolution. No! <laughs> so, uh, Jeff and Shirley are uh, finally outside and and talking about uh how they got into this fight in the first place and how this started the whole war and how they and they and they come to some agreement about the fact that they you know kind of are both control freaks and are okay with each other meanwhile starburns comes back out to say that they can they can re-enter because uh the the whole campus has been uh democratized and now they're now all of a sudden britta is lording over a tribunal uh shea Guevara style and let's hear a little bit of that and do I hear correctly that as a five, you felt you could park in handicap spots? Well, see, that's just part of the Kugler style. It's human crap style. Rate him! Okay, but that's low. All fives must be cleansed of their five filth and reduced to oneness. So uh, Britta is enjoying finally being in charge and finally having her, you know, activist uh, roots come out to play. But Jeff comes back in to say, hey, look, this app is just exists to get all of our data and everything. And, and it's not even a beta test anymore. It's available to the public. There's nothing special about it. And so everything sort of goes back to normal. The dean says, I think we'll agree to forget everything that happened over the last few days, as usually happens in these types of situations on community starburns is still wearing his outfit of course and uh we end with a post credits trailer for a fake 80s comedy starring coogler which uh i think is uh i'm not going to say it's great it is well done it is very uh accurate to trailers for ridiculous 80s comedies and uh and that's the show and uh i think this is uh you know i think this is community getting back to its roots of just you know taking an idea and running with it and you know getting to like getting very quickly to a very ridiculous point dwelling in it and then you know knocking it back down uh it's you know similar in uh in feel to the like paintball episodes where you know it's it, it starts as this uh kind of you know sane thing and then just you know escalates into absolute insanity uh, I enjoy the uh, the insanity, and I enjoy the fact that you know it's it's uh, a lot of it is you know legitimately based on our use of all these social media things to rate each other. You know, as you know, as was eventually explored in greater depth on Black Mirror. But uh, I think Community did a good job with it, and I think uh, even the the guest casting in this episode is great. Even people that just have little bit parts, they're like Steve Agee and Brian Posen in the beginning. Uh, Jonathan Banks is probably underused in this episode, but it's still great to have him. And, uh, yeah, I know it will be controversial, but this is my pitch for getting another episode of community into the canon. I fully expect it to fail, but I thought it would be interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we need to start with Sarah. Okay. Um, 
I think that Nick was extremely smart to pitch an episode that contained Mr. Jonathan Banks wearing an extremely <laughs> tiny pink sombrero because it's really hard to vote against that. Um, I enjoyed this episode. Um, I thought uh, the comedy routine in the talent show was like perfectly done, like the way they did the time lapse. Um, the list of nicknames was hilarious. Um, Mike Ermintrout, Tiny Sombrero, need I say more? Um, there's just something about Meow Meow Beans. It's like they picked the most like undignified. It's like the moons over my hammy of um, social <laughs> network names. It's really perfect. Um, I think Mahershala Ali is in this episode for like two seconds. Like it's, I mean, it's really an experience, this episode. But here's the thing. I take your point that it did this first before Black Mirror. But if you've seen the Black Mirror episode first, that's kind of the ball game. Um, the other thing is that the first half of this really zips along. But once they get into the like um, dystopian fantasy reset sequence um, with kind of uh, like the the references that you would expect, not just to Zardoz, which um, Nick, you should totally make time to see that. It's <laughs> even if it's only the opening credits and this just like extremely badly done floating rock head. Like, <laughs> For some reason, making an exact right angle, right turn towards the camera while the credits are right. It's, it's very weird. Um, but also the expected references to Animal Farm and Aldous Huxley. And it just starts to feel like in the back half of the episode, boxes are being ticked for the sake of like, well, yeah, we, we got that reference and we made that reference. Um, because there's kind of, only one framework that a, a story like this can follow. Um, so I enjoyed it, but I'm not sure how I'm going to vote because I think that it, through no fault of its own, does suffer for, by comparison to that Black Mirror episode. And also because it, I don't know if this is typical of community, but this um, idea they set off a bunch of like firecrackers in the first half of the episode. And then the second one is kind of just like playing out the string of firecrackers. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with this <laughs> symbology. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my feelings on it. I enjoyed it, but I'm torn. Um, but also Jonathan Banks, tiny sombrero. So, you know, you can, you can see my struggle. <laughs> All right. Tar. Uh, I agree with everything Sarah said. Um, I will also say, having watched more of Community than she did, that that starting from the point of like Jeff, Jeff as the event organizer, surely as the person who can't go, what which Nick mentioned at the top of his presentation, and Jeff's frustration with Shirley and the ways she can manipulate people with her like fake humility is, is uh, it felt very true and very um that that was an interesting thing to explore for their characters and i do think that it pays off in the in the back half of the episode but you know it's it by then there's so many layers of like contrivance and and gimmicks and tropes and stuff that are on top of it that it sort of gets it, it obscures the the germ of a good idea um of 
you know, portraying this aspect of their relationship and, you know, how they how they could be frustrated by each other after all of this, this, this unusually long time spent together in community college five years. <laughs> um, I also loved Mitch Hurwitz as as Coogler, like it's such a non sequitur thing for him to do. The the um, the the trailer at the end was like maybe my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. And I will also good. say the mustard of like if the, that they arbitrarily chose the thing that makes Britta relatable is that she has mustard on her face and then it keeps coming up as like, you know, by the end when she's in Che Guevara mode that she just puts more and more and more mustard on her <laughs> yeah. face to try and get taken seriously as someone who frequently has food on her <laughs> face or chest. Um, it is not my experience that people are more likely to listen to you or respect you when you are covered in food. So that aspect, I, I would, I would character. <laughs> I would characterize that as occasionally does not have food on your face. <laughs> there you go. See? <laughs> and he hates me. You can tell he finds he, it loathsome. He said respectfully. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like that was like, it would be, it would have been fine if it was like a one joke thing, but the fact that it kept getting brought up is like, that's not a thing. And it was less funny every time for me. So this, this was definitely a bold choice, Nick, but uh, did not quite connect for me. Dave. Old choice. Uh, all right. So uh, let me nutshell this uh, by saying I thought this was twice as funny as the Black Mirror episode with the same <laughs> subject matter. Did not care for this episode. I really like the first couple seasons with a sort of grounded but still elastic reality set up before they decided that they were just going to lean into the things that message boards uh, talked about, you know, which is the... <laughs> virus of the internet as it pertains to tv of the aughts and uh, the teens there are a couple funny things i think they've been brought up but like this is for me not even close to the best that community can offer at the paintball episode that we inducted which i think is the only one that's been pitched before right no there's two there are two i believe there's two okay but the paintball episode is fantastic uh i will say the absence of donald glover is apparent here there's a certain energy that he brings that is lacking i usually enjoy mean-spirited products but for some reason when community does it it really rubs me the wrong way and i'm not quite sure why that is i think maybe because jeff winger is just such a douchebag of a character it's be i think it's because joel McHale seems like he is jeff in real life and that mm. makes his portrayal of jeff boy that might be it i think you might be right yeah i used to really like community tara really sold me on the first couple seasons she was a big champion of it when it first started too. And then I just kind of feel like it went off the rails, never got back on. So for a Canon episode of community, uh, I really think you got to look at the first couple seasons, a show coming back to form in itself. Isn't really noteworthy. You know, it has to be standalone. Great. And I, I really don't think this, this particular episode is. So uh, let us put this to a vote. Uh, Sarah was um, on the line there. So what say you, Sarah? Well, um, I would like to offer a permanent place in the canon of my heart to the tiny hat. The tiny sombrero. <laughs> but yeah, um, I just, maybe if I hadn't seen the Black Mirror episode, but I, it's not quite there. And it did not make me want to watch another one necessarily. So it is a, um, it is a... Uh, mixed feelings no but a no a no nonetheless <laughs> and if you thought the uh black mirror episode was hilarious you should check out what they're doing in china with all this recently so they actually <laughs> yeah. made this happen in real life so yep. uh fun tara 
Well, I'll just say before I give my vote, Sarah, if I, I know normally your Slack headshot is a shot of Ian Zeering, but if you wanted to change it to Jonathan Banks and his tiny pink sombrero, no one would be mad about it. I might have to. I will say also, I'm, I didn't even notice until we got to the end of this that Chevy Chase was also not in this episode, so I wasn't mad that he yeah. wasn't there either. <laughs> so thank you for not picking one with him, but uh, it's still I think they'd no got rid of him at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Yes. Um, I'm also just going to say that, Sarah, you should really give Deadwood another shot, but I'm going to give this <laughs> a no. So, unfortunately. Shut up, Dave. <laughs> we have to say that Community Season 5, Episode 8, as Nick predicted, app development and condiments is not in the extra mock raking. Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It is time for winner and loser. Oh, why am I talking like a robot? Of the week, Sarah has our winner. Um, I do. RuPaul's Drag Race is going to the UK. Uh, I cannot wait to fly there and see those episodes. Uh, <laughs> I think that's going to be really excellent. If they don't have a Downton Abbey themed episode, oh, I'm out. My God. Tara Ariano, loser of the week. Well, with non-apologies to Les Moonves for the latest revelations in his his shittiest legacy, um, <laughs> I'm going to give this to Kevin Hart. Holy cow, what a week that guy had. So first, uh, the story was no one wants to host the Oscars. Then later that day, the story was Kevin Hart's going to host the Oscars. Then mere like minutes later, people were finding homophobic not even jokes just homophobic tweets in his twitter history and so everyone was like well we know the playbook he's going to you know make a very insincere but acceptable apology so that he can keep this job nope shirtless instagram video standing by everything he said including that he was in love with the man that he is becoming instant classic meme line and then <laughs> like the oscars was like apologize and he was like no you can fire me and then like th this was all in the same night he he quit uh, or he stepped down as Oscar host. And now as we're recording this, which is on Tuesday, December 11th, the, the the latest still is that the Oscars just may not have a host at all, which I mean, Finally. honestly, works fine for the Golden Globes are used to when they didn't have a host. But yeah, like <laughs> this is quite a journey that he went on and I hope he thought it was worth it. But then when he quit, he did give the apology that he should have given, which is or Eventually. at least I mean. Like, like, um, it was like, it was like one line, but if he had just said that from the beginning, he probably would have been fine. Yeah. Like that yeah. was the craziest part to me that like, once he no longer had the job, he was willing to say it. Like that was weird. Sure. <laughs> this, this is how to not handle your business. Get a social yeah. media manager and, um, delete all your tweets, everybody. Just, just cause it's a, not, not a bad idea. Do you know what time it is? <laughs> uh -oh. Yeah. Yikes. It's game, game time. <laughs> This is the fourth game time of the season. Season scores, valued guests in the lead with two points. Sarah right behind with one. Tara in the basement with zero points. Today we are playing The Price is Correct from oh. Dan Casino. Oh. Yeah. Who earns himself an extra credit, redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. 
in this game, I'll describe a piece of official merchandise from a TV show that you could buy right now. All you have to do <laughs> is guess the show that the merch is from. Oh, okay. Need a hint? I'll mm. tell you the network. Okay. The correct answer is worth two points and one point after the hint. But after your answer, right or wrong, you'll then have a chance to guess how much the described merchandise costs by picking oh. the correct answer from up from three <laughs> options. Uh, correct answer there gets you an additional point. Here's an example. Amazing. All right. The product, a box of tea bags. The description. Mrs. Patmore's pudding tea has the homemade flavors of vanilla sponge cake drizzled with rich caramel sauce. The full body base of premium black tea lends itself well to a splash of milk, making a perfect afternoon tea. Show is Downton Abbey. Your hint would have been PBS or uh, perhaps Channel 4 or whatever the hell it is in the UK. Your options for the price rounded up. Or rounded to the nearest dollar, rather. Up or down. Okay. $7, yeah. $13, or $19. How much for a box of tea bags? $13. $13 is, in fact, correct. Well done. Hey! That's surprising oh. from you, who doesn't know what anything costs at the grocery store. Well done. <laughs> hey, shut up. That's how the game is played. Uh, Tara, can you please tell us about the steel meal situation? Yes. Sarah D. Bunding has five steel meals. The valued guests have two steel meals. I have one steel meal. All right. So y'all know how to use steel meals. Let's get into it. Let's throw it to Picky to see who's going first. We will start with Tara. All right. Tara, Sarah, Nika, that is our order today. Are we ready to play? The price is correct. Yes, sir. Here we are. We go. All right. Tara Ariano, your product, a ski. Here's the description. Is the official clubhouse shot ski. An exact replica of the one hanging in the show's set. What's that show? Watch What Happens Live. Watch What Happens Live. Good for two points. Tara, did that cost $155, $195, or $250? Jesus. Um, Damn it, Andy Cohen. I'm going to guess the middle one, whatever that was, 195 195 mm. No. A bargain, apparently, at 155 <laughs> Wow. Sarah D. Bunting. Your product is an air freshener. Represent your favorite fast food chain with our exclusive Los Polos air freshener. Uh, Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. I'm going to give that to you. Breaking Bad. Does this air freshener cost you $1, $2, or $6? I think it's $6. Oh, it's got to be $6, these greedy bastards. Yeah. Nice. All right, Nick, here's your first question. We're talking about a beer stein. This 12-ounce glass stein features the logo of Patty's Irish Pub, the worst bar in America in green. <laughs> it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's good for two points. All right, this stein's going to run you 4 9 or $12? Mm, 12 $12 is correct. Nice. Back to Tara. Yes, sir. Bathrobe bathrobe hot topic briefly offered a range of merchandise theoretically taken from the titular establishment including this handsome waffle print robe with the name of the establishment on the breast pocket guess or take Ooh. the network as a hint establishment yeah network please all right bathrobe product 
You heard the description. Network A&E. Bates Motel. Bates Motel. Good yeah. for one point. That bathrobe going to cost you 50 80 or or $100? A 50 50 correct. Yes. All right, Sarah D. Bunting, here's a board game. No doubt players were disappointed with this novelty version of Clue in which no one gets murdered. No, instead, you just have to find out who betrayed the main character in some undescribed way, what room of the apartment building they did it in, and whether it was with a dog-eared comic, an erased whiteboard, or a defiled toothbrush. What? <laughs> uh, hint, please. CBS. Murder, she wrote? <laughs> Incorrect. That was Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Oh, but you still got a chance for one point. <sighs> Big Bang Theory board game. Sounds like a toothless version of Clue. Gonna run you 20 40 or $50. I think they're charging 40 for that shtees. <laughs> they really are. And what? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And they can fuck off again. <laughs> board games can be expensive, you guys. Even if they're not licensed. Well, they can also be cheap. Nick Reinwell Jones, your product, car sign, a car sign. Take home the fun, hilarity, and joy of your favorite late night segment with your very own singer on board suction cup attached car sign. On board attached car sign. Any idea? It's fun, it's hilarious, it provides joy. And it's also from your favorite late night segment with your very own singer on board suction oh, cup. Oh, okay. Uh, um, the Late Show with James Corden. Well, it's the Late Late Show with James Corden, but I'm in oh, a generous yeah. mood, so that, there you go. That's close enough. This car sign is going to run you $8, $12, or $18. Uh, just a sign. Mm, I'm going to say $12. Cup sign. $12. Mm. No, $8. Ah. Hmm. Oh. Okay, Tari Ariana. Thank you, China. <laughs> Your product, a chair. A leather console chair mounted in a hard, durable plastic base and swivel. This replica seat also has show accurate buttons on the handrest. Friends? Mm, shit. All right, that was Star Trek, the original series. (laughs) Very close. So I was close. Oh, that was a great answer, though. All right, that's going to run you. Okay, so this chair. That's what I would have guessed. I'm going to assume it's the captain's chair. Is going to run $1,000, $2,000, or $4,000. Oh, God. $2,000. $2,000, correct. Sarah D. Bunting, we're talking a Christmas sweater. Wool Christmas sweater with festive patterns of baseball bats, crossbows, snowflakes, and ghouls. Quantities strictly limited. What well, what's on the sweater again? Festive patterns of baseball bats, crossbows, snowflakes, and ghouls. Ghouls. I'm gonna need a network. AMC. Uh I don't know. Oh, Benson. I'm not going to steal it for one point, but okay. That show, it- The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead. Oh, All right, this Christmas right. sweater going to set you back twenty two, twenty seven, or fifty two dollars. 
52. 52. Yes. We are all tied up as of that answer. That's a lot for late season Walking Dead merchandise. Nick Reinwell Jones, coat. This is a coat. The herringbone tweed coat is designed after the one Claire wears on the show and has the same asymmetrical double-breasted closure and burnished gold buttons. The hood and sleeves are lined with a white faux fur and the flounce features a box pleat for a flattering silhouette. Well, put this on my wish list for one thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, sounds British. Um, can I have network? You can have a network that is stars. And I just want to make it clear. This is the one that ends with a Z. Yes. Stars <laughs> <laughs> uh, show. Got a coat. Got a, this is the one Claire wears. Uh, uh, is that, um, uh, uh, what's it called? The, uh, yeah. Talk it out. I, I don't know. <clears throat> that is Outlander. Outlander. All right, oh, this, no. this coat from uh, Outlander. Would have guessed counterpart. <laughs> 109, 199, or 249. Or Outlander coat. 199. Oops. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> Get this. $109. That sounds like a wow. steal. That's very cheap. Tari Ariano Coin Bank. Coin Bank. Mm -hmm. Invest okay. in your favorite cartoon eatery with his charming coin bank shaped like the titular restaurant, brightly painted in green and yellow. Bob's Burgers. $28 for this? $38 or $50? Bank. 28. 28. Correct. Sarah D. Bunting. Collector's Edition Barbie doll. This doll is stylized in his iconic costumes from the popular series. Accessorized with polished gray suit, striped necktie, and tan fedora. Matching overcourt and briefcase. Collector's Edition Barbie doll. Popular Bad series. Man. You are correct. Yeah! Product that is in this house somewhere. Yep. Forget who gifted that to us. It was uh, Dave Weeb when he worked at Mattel. That's right. Nice. Thank you, Dave Weeb. $98 for one of these. $128 for these. Or that's going to run you $198. 98 128 198 This. Yeah. Even the, the floor there seems like a lot of money for that. Uh, I'm still going to say I'm going to pick the top. 198. Mm. 128. Dang. Uh, well, thanks again mm. for that gift there, Dave. We yeah, <laughs> really. And we'll, Mattel. We'll sell that, you guys. Put down those entertaining <laughs> Mattel products that are very expensive. <laughs> Don't want to damage the box. Nick Reinwell Jones coloring book. Coloring book. Featuring 90 beautiful illustrations of your favorite bakes by the show's official on-air illustrator. Tom Hobby. Forget the recipe, take off those oven gloves and unleash your artistic flair. Uh, the Great British Bake Off or the Great British Baking Show, depending on which side. Yeah, the you're on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Someone's this trying book, to mooch some Dave points. This coloring book, which under the circumstances, I'm going to say should have been spelt with a U, but anyways, five, <laughs> ten, or fourteen dollars. Fourteen. Fourteen dollars is correct. Wow. Tara Ariano. Yes. A TV cookie jar. This is something you can buy. 
This blue rectangular cookie jar, shaped like a vehicle from the show, features whooshing sound effects and flashing lights whenever you open it. Imported. Doctor Who. Oh, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Twenty, thirty, or fifty dollars for a TARDIS cookie jar. Fifty dollars. Fifty dollars is incorrect. Oh. The TARDIS is thirty dollars, though it's uh, bigger on the inside than the outside. <laughs> so who knows how that pricing actually works? Ah, TARDIS. <gasps> All right, uh, is there anybody got a costume? <laughs> a costume, gray polyester dog costume for adults comes complete with a dog nose and fake cigarette. Network. FX. I don't know. Uh, no steel bills, but anybody want to guess what that is? I thought I knew until you said the network. FX as Wilford. Oh, right. Oh, I was thinking all right. the dog from Family Guy. Back to Nick. Cutting board. Wait, Wait doesn't I she get, get to guess, to guess the, the price? price? Yes. 56 100 or $150 for a dog costume for adults based on Wilford. 56 100 or 150 56. 56, correct. Sorry about that. Nick Reinwell Jones, cutting board. You can slice your Taylor ham on the top of this poorly designed cutting board or your own pork roll on the bottom of it. Either way, you'll show your devotion to the trashiest iteration of this already trashy franchise. Goodness. Mm. Trashiest iteration of this Sounds trashy pretty franchise. trashy. Iteration of a franchise, so. Um, You can ask for the network. Uh, Yeah, I'll ask for the network. All right, it's a good clue here. Bravo. Uh, Top Chef? Oh. That is the Real Housewives of New Jersey. It sure is. (laughs) Not, Not sorry, I didn't get that. All right, cutting board from Real Housewives of New Jersey, parentheses, What? $35, $55, $75. Oh, Jesus. Bravo. Oh, probably $75. Uh, Just $35 for a cutting board. Still. Or Tara. Doormat. It's a doormat. You just never know who might be stopping by to visit. That's why it's good to have this handy devil's trap doormat. Sure, Crowley will whine about it, but the mystical symbols on this richly printed nylon fiber mat will help keep you safe. Indoor use only. Crowley, I feel like I should know, but I don't. I'll take the network, please. CW, comma, yeah, the. Oh. Supernatural? Supernatural. All right, this doormat, this piece of nylon fiber uh-huh. is going to set you back 9 13 or $16. 16 16, correct. All right. This is going to take us into our score break. This is Sarah D. Bunting's question. No, wait. This is, it can't be the score break. No, it's not. No, it can't. And it'll be after Nick. And maybe that was question 16 before. Doesn't matter. Let's just go with this it. This is score break. <laughs> shh, 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 shh. Watch Deadwood. Flower pot. <laughs> All right. Flower pot, Sarah. Uh-huh. A beautiful white circle pot that's apparently show accurate. Why would two waitresses slash cupcake bakers have such a fancy pot? Your guess is as good as mine. Two broke girls? Broke girls is correct. All right. This cookie pot, or flower pot, sorry, is going to set you back 20 50 or $90. 
Jesus. Or a flower pot. A flower pot. $20 seems like it should be the right answer. Mm. It is not. $50 seems like the next correct answer. Mm. It is not. Two broke wow. girls. A, a flower pot from two broke girls costs Come $90. $90. Well, now we know where they're broke. <laughs> All right. Here is our actual score break question. Nick, here we go. Yes. Heat changing mug. Heat changing mug. When you add hot liquid, this mug goes from showing the show's logo to showing what appears to be a crazy board with words connected by red lines. Ah, Homeland. Homeland is correct for two points. Hey. Well done. <laughs> okay, this heat changing mug going to set you back ten, fifteen, or thirty dollars. What Showtime want for that? What the Showtime? Fifteen. Fifteen dollars, Nick. You're correct. All right, that brings us into our score break. Ooh, Tara, what's the score? Guys, very, very close game. Uh, I have 12 points. Nick has 11 points. Sarah has 10 points. All right, that's close. Uh, Let's skip the Equalizer Challenge Zone because uh, we got another episode to record after this. So, back to Tara. Yes. You can buy a Lego set from a TV show. Mm -hmm. This Lego set features four minifigures, including a zombie and a dog, as well as a van with a back that opens up to reveal mystery solving equipment and a sandwich. Hmm. Are any shows in here more than once? No. Okay. Um, hint. CBS. I will say not really a good hint. I mean, it's technically correct, but don't get too hung up on it. Okay. I don't know then. Scooby-Doo. Oh, shit. Ah, nice. Yeah. All right. This Lego set, which uh, opens up to reveal mystery solving equipment, Tara, will set sure, you back yeah. 46 76 or $96. Lego set. 76 76 Yes. Correct. Hey. I thought for sure you were going to get 96 because Legos are the most expensive item they on are expensive. Earth. Sarah Debunting, you can buy a luggage tag. Use this unintentionally ironic tag to tell everyone that your bags are on their way to the initiative. <laughs> Lost. All right. This luggage tag, tag singular, will cost you 6 10 or $16. 16 just six dollars. Just six dollars. Oh. Nick Ryan Will Jones, we're talking about a matchbox car, aka dinky car. Does anybody else call them dinky cars? Is that a British thing? Sounds like so. a British thing. Okay. Uh this boxy dented pink sedan looks just like the one from the beloved show. Let the baby drive, run over the father. It's all in your hands now. Boxy dented pink sedan. Uh, uh, The Simpsons? Yes. Hey! All right. This Matchbox car, a.k.a. Dinky car, will cost you two, five, or nine dollars. The Simpson family sedan, two, five, or nine dollars. Nine dollars. Just five dollars. Wow. All right. Tari Ariano, a necklace. You now possess the golden power of veto. Use it wisely. This veto (laughs) necklace looks just like the one used in the show. 
add this to your collection or wear it around your neck and stay safe from the chopping block. God, big brother. Big brother. All right, this necklace is going to cost you eight, thirty, or forty-eight dollars. <laughs> if it looks hey, exactly it's the, like it's the got one on the show, power. yeah, I'm going to say thirty was the middle one, right? Thirty. Eighteen, thirty, forty-eight. Thirty was the answer. Sarah Bunting, we're going to get you a notebook. This floral pattern notebook features the phrase glowing up ain't easy printed on the front and the logo from season three of the series on the back. Printed in full color, this bound journal notebook measures five by seven inches and contains 70 line pages. Glowing up. Glowing up ain't easy. Season three is a is a clue. Yeah. HBO. Least it's not season. any of the things I thought it might be. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. True blood. <laughs> this is insecure. Insecure. All right. This oh, notebook from sure. insecure. Okay. Three, six, or nine dollars. Now keep in mind, it's five by seven and has 70 line pages. <laughs> yeah. How much per page? <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the three, six, option? or nine? Uh, six. Six. Nine. Nine dollars. Really? Nick Reinwald Jones. Ouija board. Ouija board. Grab your friends, gather around the Ouija board, styled to look like flashing Christmas lights, and ask questions. Maybe the spirit of Barb is listening. Stranger things. Stranger things. All right. This Ouija board. 45, 60, or 73. 45. 45, says Nick. He is correct. Oh. Tariano pencil set. Mm-hmm. This pencil set includes five different number two pencils. Each pencil includes a different imprint. Changing the way things change. Big head. Making possibilities possible. <laughs> Not hot dog. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Correct. All right. Five number two pencils from yep. Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Eight, thirteen, or eighteen dollars. Well, I'm going to say eighteen. Now that we know how overpriced that insecure notebook was. <laughs> you can only write in the insecure notebook with a set <laughs> of Silicon Crossover. Valley. But unfortunately, <laughs> just eight dollars. Just eight. Oh wow! Save on one, get fleeced on the other. Hmm. Pie plate, Sarah. Pie plate. Show off your culinary abilities or just your fandom with this ceramic pie plate. It features the quote, this must be where pies go when they die on the inside, alongside the logo for the show's Double R Diner. Uh, Network, please. Showtime. Double R Diner. Uh Uh-huh. Pie. Uh-huh. All right. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Twin Peaks. That's good for one point. All right. This pie plate. It's got a coconut at mind you. 40, 60, or $100. Oh, my God. Dirt bucks. Uh, 40. Nice. Nick Reinwell-Jones. 
you are buying a pillow and blanket set. A pillow with faux Sherpa lining and polyester blanket are the perfect gift for someone who's always dozing off before the show actually comes on. Oh, that's it. That's all. I yeah, got. that's oh. it. <laughs> uh, well, I guess Sherpa is always dozing off before this. After this one's done, somebody's gonna have to explain this one to me. Can I have network? Yeah, NBC. Okay, always dozing off before the show. I mean, the Tonight Show. That's a decent <clears throat> guess. All right, it's actually Saturday Night Live. Okay. Does that? connect with Saturday Night Live in any way I seem to be missing something nothing no. I, mean, I, I don't watch it very much no. alright I... uh, let us know if you know what the hell that's all about 30 50 <laughs> or $70 for this pillow and blanket set uh, $50 $50 now you gotta spend $70 for that who's oh, spending geez. any money on Saturday Night Live merchandise Tari oh, Ariano plush puppet Okay. I have no idea how this Bert the farting hippo puppet ties into one of the most popular shows on television but the description warns that it may not sound identical to the version on the show still i'm sure america's uncles will be able to tell exactly what it's supposed to be um family guy damn incorrect uh bert the farting hippo farts navally that is <laughs> ncis somehow what <laughs> okay what Somebody okay. Google have to buy we that do now. the prices. <laughs> Bert, the farting hippo, uh-huh. is going to set you back $25, $35, or $45. Remember, people, Christmas is coming. Yeah. $35. $35. No, you got to spend $45 to get Bert, the farting hippo plush puppet. The I will not. farting hippo. <sighs> All right. Or Sarah, just a poster. A print of a watercolor painting of an office building shows the boss's window and his car, so he just had to have it. Now you can have it too. Uh, network? NBC. Did not help. Um, so I have two choices, and I guess I'm going to guess The Office. Hey! This poster is going to set you back $12, $20, or $27. I think it's $20. In fact, $27. What? All right. Nick Reinwald Jones. (laughs) Saddlebag. All right. Saddlebag. This Western inspired saddlebag features a quote engraved metal accent from the series. This camel bag has a magnetic snap closure with adjustable straps. Wow. Uh, Westworld. Westworld is your guess. Decent guess because it's correct. Nice. All right. This saddlebag, <laughs> which apparently is also a camel bag. Two names, and same sentient. product. $50, $51, or $351. Saddlebag. Go big or go home. $351. Just $51, my friend. <laughs> wow. wow. So you can afford six. Man. All those Westworld stands would totally pay three fifty for it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. HBO right. is all over the, the map with this pricing. Get near the end here. So mm-hmm. let's hear the scores. Okay. Our scores are Sarah has 15. Nick has 18. I have 19. Oh. Ooh. 20 what? Just 20? 19. What? I didn't hear what the last score was, please. 
Sarah has 15. Nick has 18. I have 19. Thank you. All right. Sorry, somebody was singing (laughs) on top of it. I couldn't hear. Salt and pepper shaker set. Yep. Tara. Three (laughs) egg-shaped salt and pepper shakers. One holds dark pepper. One has the salt. The third is actually a two-piece toothpick holder. The creatures that hatch from these eggs only want to eat their meal when it's cooked. But the pickiest, pickiest of them and also demand that it be properly spiced and there be toothpicks available for after the meal. Oh, man. Let me read that again for you. There's a okay. lot of stuff going on there. Three egg-shaped salt and pepper shakers. One yep. holds dark pepper. One has the salt. The third is actually a two-piece toothpick holder. The creatures that hatch from these eggs only want to eat their meat when it's cooked. But the pickiest of them also demand that it be properly spiced and that there be toothpicks available for after the meal. Uh, network. Oh, boy. HBO. The creatures that hatch from these eggs. Oh, man. What? Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Deadwood. It's not Rome. Steel I have meal. no idea. What is it? Steel meal for Nick. Steel meal, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Ah! One point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, you got the point. Good so job, I'm throwing Nick. I'm throwing the price thing to you too. So there you go. Fine. Fifteen, twenty-five, or thirty-five dollars for this three egg-shaped table thingy. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Mm. No. Twenty-five. Oh. HBO. I'd pay thirty-five. Consistency, please. Man, you really got to be a real Game of Thrones fan to buy the Game of Thrones dragon egg salt and pepper set for your table. What was that? I was on the HBO site oh. behind me. <laughs> I just want to say for the record, I was thinking dinosaurs, like as if any dinosaurs merchandise is still extant. But at least I was like in the neighborhood. I was like, Buffy? <laughs> it's the three. It's the fact that there's three of them is uh, uh, if, if you knew, you know, that's the that three right. dragons. Yeah. Well, we don't. <laughs> um, dragon eggs from Westeros is always coming to trees. All right. Sarah D. Bunting. Shot glass. Shot glass. This two-ounce shot glass has the name of the cartoon character's favorite condiment, Szechuan sauce, and the excited cartoon head of the mad scientist at the heart of it all. As seen being really annoying on Twitter like a year ago this time. Mm-hmm. I guess that know. doesn't help. Rick and Morty. I don't know. Rick and Morty. Decent guess, Sarah, but unfortunately, you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Rick and Morty two ounce shot glass is going to cost you fourteen, twenty four, or thirty four dollars. This is for one shot glass, people. Uh, fourteen. Fourteen. Yes. Well, Nick Ryanwell Jones. Stainless steel flask continuing our liquor-themed merchandise. Store your liquor in this flask to show some love for your favorite crew members. The stainless steel flask has both the show's anchor logo and the memorable phrase, Where's my yacht? Ah, so memorable. Took the the country Uh, by storm. Where's my yacht? Um, is this, uh... What's that show that Sarah likes? Below Deck? (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Picky. (laughs) Stainless steel flask. Thank you, Sarah. Remember, don't drink in boat. $15, $25, or $35. 
Uh, I'm going to go with 15. 15? Mm. No, other end, 35. 35. Oh, All right, this is everybody's last question. So quickly, the scores, please, Tara. Okay, Sarah now has 18 points. I still have 19 points. Nick has 21. All right, close game. Close mm-hmm. game. Everybody's got one question. Remember, steel mills are still available to those that still have them. So right. let's get to it. Tari Ariano's last product is a throw blanket. This woven throw blanket measuring 36 by 58 inches features a portrait of the cast. Bright, clueless, and hilarious, these ladies form the perfect circle of friends. Network. All right. The network, NBC. Throw blanket. Yeah. It's all women. I don't know. Is this friends? Yeah. All right. The show, Golden Girls. Oh, oh, oh Betty White gets of you again. Course. <laughs> of course. All right. It is. But is the throw of the Golden Girls. Yep. Going to set you back 30 50 or $70? 70 70 No, just 50 Dang. Wow. Bargain at any price. Yeah, about 12 yeah. About twelve fifty a girl. Okay, Sarah D. Bunting. <laughs> to go with that throw blanket, we're going to be a throw pillow. Throw pillow. Get ready for the race to get real with this bright red roadblock throw pillow. Fans will know that race teams must prepare to give their all when they come upon these signs. The Amazing Race. That's good for two points. Now, The Amazing Race throw pillow. Is going to cost you twelve, twenty, or twenty-seven dollars. I'm trying to think back across the game to whether CBS has been inflating their prices. Uh, can <laughs> I can I hear those prices again? The prices again: twelve, twenty, twenty-seven dollars for this throw pillow of the Amazing Race cocked eyebrow. I feel like if they were trying to sell a Bert the farting hippo, they're <laughs> capable of just about anything in the retail space. So I'm going to say. Hoping to tie it up temporarily, $27. All right. We have a tie here. We have a tie. Nick really needs to nail this to clinch it. Your last product, wine bottle opener. Wine bottle opener. I don't know why it's not called a corkscrew, but I'm not going to. It's a wine (laughs) bottle opener. Law and politics are always a little more digestible with a glass of wine. This bottle opener lets you open up a bottle, watch your favorite show, and pretend your family life is a little normal. Mm. Once again, law and politics are always a little more digestible with a glass of wine. This bottle opener lets you open up a bottle, watch your favorite show, and pretend your family is a little normal. Hmm. And politics. You only need one yeah. point, correct? Uh, okay, so give me a network. Correct. All right. The network, CBS. Oh, CBS. CBS. Um, the Good Wife? It is The Yay! Good Wife. Well done. All right. <laughs> Bottle opener. Good Wife. Three, ten, fifteen dollars. 15. 
Uh, it's been a while since the good wife saw it. I think it's in the bargain bin. That's three dollars. Wow. 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 All right. Let's get the final scores, please, Star. All right. I finished with 19. Sarah finished with 21. Nick, 22. Ooh, well done, Nick. All right. You guessed. It's time to convert our tiebreaker into a steel meal opportunity. First person to guess the show will get a steel meal for themselves or the group that they represent. Please do not shout an answer until I finish reading the clue. The product, wine tumbler. The 14-ounce steel tumbler is double-walled, copper-coated, and will keep your wine at the right temperature. So you don't have to say, what the fork? Good place. Good place! <laughs> Nick gets another steel mill for the value guess. 14 ounces? <laughs> Valued guest. Congratulations, Nick. Well Nick. done. Thank and you. Just three points so far this season. Getting interesting. All right, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We did a solid 15 on the season two of Marvelous Mrs. Mazel. Mazel. <laughs> Before going around the dial with stops at Goatface, Magic for Humans, and Holiday Cooking Shows. We discuss bad TV wrecks from good people. Hey, speaking about that, Nick unsuccessfully pitched us community social media episode for the canon. That was a little mean. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Nick was the winner of this week's game time. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano. Threes have fleas. Sarah D. Bunting. Keep it floppy. <laughs> and Nick Reinwell-Jones. Thank you, Betty White. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here. Extra. Not great. Okay, enough. You came, you saw. Thank you for letting me know that everything I do is wrong and piece of shit. It really is a piece of shit. I'm serious. You and you. Out. <laughs> <laughs>